Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Victoria, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 21st, and we are reading from the Big Book Chapter 5, How It Works. We are at page 66 on the very last paragraph of that page, which we're revisiting again today, which begins, This Was Our Course. Our readers for today, in the order in which they will be reading, are Fran, Judy B., Michelle, and Sharon. The share code for yesterday's meeting, Tuesday, November 20th, is 3360. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose... OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that the people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Anne-Marie, would you please read the 12 steps of recovery? Anne-Marie, can you press star 1, please? Is Anne-Marie there? Yes, this is Anne-Marie. I'll read the um, 12 steps. Sorry, I... I'm using my husband's phone this morning. Okay. Um, one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And just in case the first step, if I said we were powerless over alcohol, as compulsive eaters, we are powerless over food. Uh, we admitted that we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Thank you. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I will now call on Margaret Kay to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret Recovered in New Jersey. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, O-Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but it may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, O-Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for our readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we will resume our study of the Big Book, Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 66, the very last paragraph on that page, beginning, This Was Our Course. Fran, would you begin reading, please? Yes, good morning, Victoria. This is Fran Compulsive Overeater. This was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, 
they, like ourselves, were sick too. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God saved me from being angry. Thy will be done. And I pass. Thank you, Fran. Would someone like to to comment on the passage that was just read? It's Monica. Monica, good morning. Please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I am just so excited about this part of the book. Um, this was our course. Now, the, the, um, the big book here, the people who wrote this, are giving us instructions here. They're starting to get into the nitty-gritty instructions of, of the fourth step here. And they've been telling us here, you know, um, what we've been doing hasn't worked and that these resentments that we have are going to kill us if we can't get rid of them. So they're telling us, they're starting to tell us here how and what we need to do to get through this. And it said in the paragraph before, we turn back to the list where it held the key to the future. So they're telling us we're going to go back to that very first person on our list here. And we are prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. So we're going to turn back. We're going to turn this around. We're going to look at this differently. And then this, they're saying, this was our course. We realized that people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. So here we're starting to look at things differently, to look at it from a different angle, and to realize that other people were sick too. Wow. You know, we we didn't look at them that way. They wronged us. They wronged us. They're not sick. But we're saying here that we are sick and they are sick. And here's a prayer we've been given. And I was taught to pray this prayer before every single person that I did my turnaround on this list. To pray and ask God for me to see it different. For him to show me my part in all of this. And it's so true. You know, if somebody has cancer, we pray for them. We think nothing of it of treating them nicely. Why can't we do this to everybody else? And how can we be of help? And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Would someone else like to share on this passage? This is Katie. Katie, good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, and I think this paragraph is showing me that they know, they knew that our tendency would be to go back to our old way of thinking. That it's like, well, wait a minute. It's, look what they did. Look what, what they did. Why should I have pity on them? And we can get back into this thinking that we are um, 
our forgiveness of them is based on their response or on their action, and that is not what we do. We put that person into God's hands and say, you know, God will change them or will not change them or they will never seek God. We don't really know. But the fact is that we can let go of our anger and resentment to other people and we are the ones who walk away a free man. And that is, that is you know, we're selfish people. That is, that is what my goal is. Um, and if I'm carrying someone around with me, um, you know, the problem is mine. They're not asking me to, um, to go over and over and over again what they did to me. They may not even know what they did to me. And this program works because we surrender on a daily basis to our list. Now, one, one day, you know, gratefully, we don't have to keep carrying around this, the list of people that have harmed us or the list of people that we need to forgive. We don't carry that around with us for the rest of our lives. We, we let that go, and that's the miracle of this program, that I spent, you know, years feeling like this victim of, you know, into my childhood. And now I have um, love and compassion towards those very same people. Um, But it is our tendency to turn it back around and want to change them and want to blame them. But as this prayer says, God save me from being angry, thy will be done. And thy will be done is not Katie's will. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. This is Victoria, recovered compulsive overeater. I'd like to share on this passage. I share Monica's excitement about being this part of the book because this is where things really started to shift big in my life. This paragraph is... um, the reason that my book falls apart at this part of the the binding falls apart and the pages fall out because I have come back to this paragraph so many hundreds of times, not just in the fourth step. It's it was a revolutionary paragraph for me. It it let me feel like I was landing on another planet. My orientation was very black and white. My self-centered orientation of black and white was I was right and you were wrong. This paragraph immediately turned that on its head. It says, that is not the reality that you are right and he or she is wrong. The reality is you both are sick. The paragraph is a, is a little... Is a little more gentle than that in saying perhaps this person perhaps is spiritually sick. But it's, it's another game-changing paragraph. It isn't about being right. It's about being spiritually sick. That was a dizzying shift in my mind. This started challenging my entire orientation to reality and living. And it starts by telling me this is my course in active disease. I almost never knew my course. I didn't know what it ought to be, and I didn't know which one I was on. This course is about my thinking, how I will think 
about people who have wronged me, it immediately reminds me of my own sickness. Like us. Like us. They were perhaps spiritually sick. It, it also brings to mind what I've heard in our rooms. If you want to know what you should do, well, just do the opposite of what you've always done because this paragraph describes the opposite of what I had always done. It was retaliation. It was, it was holding on to the resentment like a dog with a bone. I would wrestle it to the ground and it could not be wrenched out of my teeth. And that fed my addiction. This book has let me know, if you want to die, keep holding on to that bone. It'll take you there. But it lays, if you don't want to hold on, it lays out another course. And the reason my book is so worn at this place is because this is where the book came alive for me, as in a being alive book, that when my mind was seized up in rebellion, I will not see it that way. I will not have empathy. These words, when I read them, melted right through that rebellion. I thought, this is a powerful book. This book is very powerful, and it set me back on course. So the last thing it did for me is to make it very, very clear I could not do this on my own. This change was essential to keep me alive, but I couldn't do it. I could not do it without God. God saved me from being angry because I cannot save myself. Thy will be done. With that, I pass. Anybody else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Yes, Penny E. And Leah. Penny E. Penny E. Go ahead. And then Leah. Good morning, Penny. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I want to get in on this. I'm so excited, too. What major stuff here. Um, this, this, this is a revelation. You know, this is a revelation. Uh, and I always like to go, the revelation is, is that anytime somebody else makes me upset, you know, I have to take a look at my part. And so the question comes, but aren't there exceptions? You know, what about he did this, she did this? So I like to refer at this time um, to step 10 in the AA 12 and 12. And on page 90, it says this. It is a spiritual axiom. And see, the, we're, we're living according to spiritual principles now. You know, if we went to uh, a professional or so on and so forth, they might teach us how to have boundaries and uh, you know, how to deal with, uh, I don't know, you know, dealing with the other person being wrong and hurting us. But we don't want to be right. We want to be at peace. We have an ulterior motive here. Life and death. And this is what we're told to do. So here's what it says on page 90. I'm so excited. It is a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, and it says every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, no matter, doesn't matter, there is something wrong with us. The with us is italicized, mean important, important, important. If somebody hurts us and we are sore, we are in the wrong also. Here's the question. 
but are there no exceptions to this rule? What about justifiable anger? If somebody cheats us, aren't we entitled to be mad? Can't we be properly angry with self-righteous folk? And here's the answer. Bill W., our founder, wrote the answer for us. He says, for us of AA, these are dangerous exceptions. Danger, danger. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't gamble with dangerous exceptions. I can't, I can't gamble. We have found that justified anger ought to be left to those better qualified to handle it. So how this would look, you know, if somebody hurt me, if they say something that hurts me, I have to pause when agitated or doubtful and look at my part, identify my character defects. Yep, I have low self-esteem, you know. I have perfectionism. I have uh, control issues, expectations. And then I ask God to remove remove those character defects in me. And just in this process of doing this takes my mind off of what they did to me. You know, it's about love and tolerance. Thanks so much, everybody, for letting me share. Have a beautiful God-filled day, everyone. Thanks. Thank you, Penny. Leah, good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. This was our course. Again, this book was penned by those in whom the problem had been solved. They now were walking the planet as free men and women. Did I want to be free? You know, when I was first introduced to this page, you know, how free do you want to be, Leah? How free do you want to be? This step four, um, you know, gave me an opportunity with the assistance of another recovered person to recognize that certain attitudes that I had and certain ideas, some of which I had acquired in childhood, um, were inappropriate in my adult life at this point. And it was keeping me in the darkness. It was keeping me in the darkness. And, you know, the, the bakery boxes and the cellophane bags were only a symbol of that darkness, only a symbol of my... Um, my resistance, you know, to God's world, <laughs> you know, so did I want to be free? If I did, this was our course. This was the proper procedure. It says, of course, you know, we realize that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. The big book is saying, Leah, Leah, if you want to be free, then you need to process your life and all the characters that are on your stage through the prism of these principles, through the prism of God. Because in order to get over compulsive overeating, Leah, it's going to require a transformation of thought and attitude. That was the bottom line, that, you know, I had a spiritual malady just like these sick people as well. It says they, like ourselves, were sick too. You know, I, I had to realize, not just intellectually, but in my heart, that hurting people hurt people. That hurting people hurt people. It says, this is a sick man, how can I be helpful to him? You know, this is a sick man. This is a man who, you know, these are people or these are, you know, characters on my stage, so to speak, that are spiritually sick. They, they are suffering from a gangrene of the spirit, you know, much like I was. But I have a program of recovery. I have an opportunity to tap into my human potential and to, you know, get to a point of acceptance, 
you know, acceptance does not mean agreement. The fact that I accept that something occurred or the fact that I accept that somebody is spiritually sick is, you know, or accept that something happened doesn't mean I agree that it should have happened. It, I can maintain my moral principles. It just means I'm not fighting it anymore. This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? You know, this is the disciplines and the obedience of serving a new master. You know, I was serving a master, and that was the master of disease, and that was the master of defiance and resistance and struggle and disobedience and reluctance to accept what was. What the big book is teaching me here is a spiritual discipline to obey a master, and that master is God. You know, how can I be helpful to him? God, do I really have to be helpful to him? And indeed, I have to be helpful. I have to not resist. God, save me from being angry. Again, it reminds me, who's going to save me from me? It's not going to be my intellect, and it's not going to be my self-knowledge, and it's not going to be wishing these attitudes away. It is going to be pleading and cleaving that God saved me from being angry. Why do I need to be saved from anger? from anger because it keeps me in the darkness. And what happens when I'm in the darkness? When I'm in the darkness, I'm shut off from the sunlight of the spirit, and I will seek the ease and comfort back in those cellophane bags. So I, <laughs> the program of recovery is turning that around and allowing me to process my life through the prism of God and, <laughs> and live in the warmth and the light of, of his safety and protection. And with that, I pass. Thanks. It's Irini. And Kim? Yes. Yes. Um, good morning, Edini uh, and Kim. Edini, go ahead, and then Kim. Thank you. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered compulsive over ear. Thank you, God. To do this fourth step, we had to, um, we started to shift with the third step, making that decision to make God the priority in our minds and our hearts. And doing that, that manifests in the way that we make decisions, the way we make decisions, um, how we treat others, how we treat ourselves, how we deal with difficult situations, um, because he guides us and, and he also guards us and protects us in all that we do. So do I, yell, do I choose to yell at others? You know, what would God have me do? Do I judge and criticize one, or can I see them through God's eyes? It's that shifting from what I would do to what we would do. It's shifting from that I to we. It's being a team with God and him guiding me on how to act, how to think and how to act. What are we doing together? <clears throat> and he's guiding me with his principles, and it's that we through his principles and not that I from my personality. It's seeing through God's vision of people that wrong me, you know, and it's not my vision. It's seeing through God's eyes and feeling through God's heart. It is hearing through God's ears and speaking through God's words. It is thy will, not mine, be done. Wow. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Edini. Good morning, Kim. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. 
God, save me. Save me from being angry. And why do we need to be saved? You know, on the page before, it said we had to. We must be free of anger. And why is that? Because for alcoholics, these things are poison. We are poisoning ourselves. So we need to be saved from anger. You know, I've I've spent my life keeping score of everybody who wronged me. I was going to make sure that they were going to pay. And I like the analogy of a jail and a jailer. You know, I was determined to keep these people in jail, to make sure they knew what they did, to make sure the world knew how they had wronged me. So I kept them in jail, but I was the jailer standing outside the jail. So who was more attached to that jail? The person who was inside the jail or the jailer who was outside guarding, making sure that person does not get out? So I was as attached to that resentment as the person I was trying to condemn. And it says here, you know, the wrongdoings of others, fancied are real. And the fact is when I started working through this process, when I started to understand that it is my perception of what was going on, it was my sick thinking, you know, that these people were sick people, that they were doing the best that they could with what they knew at the time. And I was finally to that point that I surrendered and said, you know what, I need to let go of this anger, I need to take responsibility for this, and I would go to that jail, and I would open up that door, and the jail would be empty. There was no one even in there, because it was all in my mind. So for years, I guarded empty jails. So when it says, God saved me from being angry, we have to, we have to dive at this. You know, it says that somewhere else in the big book, we have to seek this with the desperation of a drowning man. So God saved me from my anger, because it's killing me. And I need to let go of that. And when you do, when you walk through this process, you will experience a freedom that is absolutely amazing. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this passage? This is Vered from Israel. Yes, Vered. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Hi, Vered, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, if we look at the previous paragraph, which starts with, we turned back to, our, to the list. Doing this turnaround of step four, that's what really led me to the freedom of anger. Yet, I am still subject of life. And it says on page 84 that we should still look for um, you know, being selfish, dishonest, having resentment and fear. And that can still happen, even I, I'm much more in serenity than ever before. And this short, little, very important prayer is, can, should go with me further and further every day. God save me from being angry. Today I have the choice. I have the freedom to choose differently. If something even tiny irritates me, I know it's or going to the anger or trusting and believing on God. Anger really takes me away from God. And the minute I feel the tiniest of it, all I should do is ask God to save me from being angry. And I'm also giving here instructions that by helping somebody else, and actually not only somebody else, but the person who was, in my mind, the cause for the irritation, I'm going to be free from that anger. 
Thy will be done, and I pass. Thank you, Vera. Is there anyone else who wants to comment on this before we move on? All right, let's move on to our next paragraph. Judy B., would you please read the next paragraph? Good morning, this is Judy B., a recovered compulsive overeater. We avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Here, once again, we're, we're looking at the people on our fourth step list, and we are thinking about how we can behave and interact with them. And um, this shows us so clearly that we do not want to get into arguments. We do not want to prove that we are right and they are wrong. That is just, it's not part of, of how we relate to people anymore. You know, we just, we need to have a, a kindly and tolerant view of them. We need to be patient. And how do we do this? The, the four words there in this paragraph. God will show us, you know, if we, if we ask him, he will show us how to treat these people, how to think about these people, how to be loving and kind. And um, I know this is talking about um, when we're doing our fourth list, but I'm also thinking that uh, as we go into a holiday and we're going to be being with and and socializing with uh, many people that have uh, been on our fourth step list. All we have to do is to go there with the attitude that God will show us how to think, how to act, how to behave. We just need to love these people the way that God loves us. And, and he will give us the patience. You know, he will, he will show us what we need to do. He will give us the words and actions that we need. It's just it's such a beautiful way to live, and um, it, it's a way to work our fourth step, and it's a way to live each day of our lives uh, as we go about um, interacting with others. And it's just, this program is just so beautiful and shows us uh, what we need to do so that we can truly be helpful to others. We, we just don't want to destroy that by by letting our own will get in the way. And and God will show us how to do this. I'm, I'm so grateful for that and so grateful to know that uh, when I go out and um, leave my home, I do not have to have expectations of others. I do not have to have an idea of exactly how they should be uh, behaving and and reacting to me. I just need to show up and to show up with God and just just to love, just just to be there and to love others and um and I will be guided and um God's work will be done. With that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Who else would like to comment on what was just read? This is Lois, may I share? Yes, Lois. Good morning. Please go ahead. Good morning, Victoria. 
Yes, um, I get I too get excited when I read this, and and I get so thankful. Um, you know, I want to comment on where it says we avoid retaliation or argument. You know, in the past, before this process, I didn't know another way. You know, I was a victim to everything. You know, I I was just I was a victim, and I was my my I had no boundaries, so I was open to whatever people said. And um, I either ended up with depression or, or anger, but I, I had no way of, of dealing with life. I was, I was just wide open. And, you know, this process has helped me to see a new way of life. And it's given me the choice. So when I say I avoid it, in the past I had no power to avoid anything. So but in doing this process, you know, I now have a choice. And, and I certainly choose because I wanted to recover I chose uh, to be able to work on a higher level, on a spiritual level. And, and it wasn't until I surrendered in the third step, you know, and asked God to be there for me. And he's the one that could do that for me. So this, this was a beautiful promise. And um, it does come true that uh, God will show me how to, how, to do it, how to take a kindly and tolerant view of another person. And in the past, this also gave me a way of being helpful, you know. I mean, in the past, I, I was just, I was the victim. But now, you know, when I, when I could see my part and I could uh, try to work, uh, bring it up to a higher level, a spiritual level, you know, it gave me a feeling of being helpful to others, you know, which, which I never, you know, was able to do that. You know, so that was, that was even a, a better way of um, wanting my, my, me to uh, continue working working and seeing my part in this. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Would someone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Judy. Good morning, Judy. Go ahead. Good morning, Victoria. Thank you for your service. Um, This is Judy F. from Massachusetts. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So excited to be here. And um, this was the beginning... um, of the transformation um, on my, my, the way I was thinking, the way I was thinking before doing this process, before writing this fourth step, before coming and, and taking the suggestions and following directions, it was all about me and how I was hurt. And, um, and we start to learn like with the sick man's prayer, this was, I was told to say this um, before I sat down and wrote um, and so oh, day after day after day, I was reading this part of the um, big book before then I wrote down and, and continued the directions. And, and the transformation, God was starting to come into my heart and mind. It wasn't anything I did. I was just repeating at first. I didn't think this was going to do any good, but God worked on me if I just kept showing up and doing my part. And today, um, I have two mentally ill brothers, and one can get very nasty. And the other day, um, he he was um, he wasn't that he wasn't that kind in his words. And I am so grateful today. I do go right to God and say, "This is a sick person, and how can I be helpful?" And that's not me. I for years um, in absence and working the steps in other ways. I always would still see that, well, he's mentally ill and he's hurting me. And I, though I did play a part when I got mad back at him. I, put, I, I, I showed up for the fight and I was, 
I was a participant, and today I don't need to be, and I can go to God, and God is my employer. God is my father. God is the referee. God is everything, and um, and my only purpose today is to be helpful, and then I can be free that way. So I was just so grateful to be given the, the directions in this book and having the direction to pray this every time I wrote um, because it started to change my mind. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Let's move on to the next paragraph. Michelle, uh, would you read, please? Excuse me, could I ask a question? Could I ask a very short question? I I have to go now, but is there a way I could hear this this wonderful um, hour later in the day? Uh, yes, there there is, um, and perhaps do you have a phone list for this meeting? No, I don't. I just tuned it in for the first time right now. Okay. What is your number, please? It's oh, thank you so much. Eight zero two two five four two four four three two four four three. Okay, someone will get back to you. Thank you. Okay. Um, let's see. Before you go on, may I may I relate to this paragraph, please? Yes, Hello. you are. This is Rachel from Israel. Um, yes, good, good morning. Good morning, all of you, my dear, dear friends. Wow, what a paragraph, and to see my markings on both sides of the person who I believed hurt me most. In August, on August 83, it said, it says a, a remark next to this paragraph, not yet. And 2011, it says, thank you, God, it's gone. Thank you, God. The resentment is gone. So... I, I have to relate to it that sometimes it takes a while, but it pays to take this good advice because I'm about to go next week uh, to my first grandson's wedding and meet the father of my children, whom I, I divorced in 1977. And this turnaround has happened to me. And I just want to say, and, 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 you know, if there's anybody in line who needs this encouragement, it's in God's time if, if you keep on working it. And I know that he can make such nasty remarks. I'll meet him now. And he's the father of my children, for God's sakes, you know. I, I even think of having a picture. I, I'd like a picture with the kids grown now, you know, with the two of us. I sure don't want him in my life because... The way he is sick and the way I am sick just clash like a, like a, like a, a barrel of gunpowder. I don't, and I don't have to, but I sure forgive him with all my heart and know that he's sick and know that he has a long ways to go and I have a long ways to go, but no, no ill wishes whatsoever. And just, you know, just hugging to myself that new reality you know, that God eventually, with this work, with this type of work, removed 
all the pain and removed all the hurt and removed all the wound and uh, and that I can go there and and even if now he w- will make some nasty remark I you know I I know that it'll just it, it will not mean anything to me because I am with God and God is the one who directs our path in life and it'll just be wonderful to be at a at this grandson's wedding and you know own this joy of having these children and these grandchildren and all that past and all those resentments will, will not play I know that they will not play a role and I know it deeply that it's God's work that he removed it and I'm very grateful to the program and thank you all and I pass thank you Michelle would you go on to read the next paragraph please Yes, good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Michelle in Missouri, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. Um, as it's been suggested, this is, this is a process and it's giving, giving me direction. You know, I look back at the top of page 66 and it said to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. And it tells us at the bottom of that page in the bottom paragraph to turn back to the list. And, um, and then it, it gives me this resentment prayer uh, to help me to be able to look kindly and tolerant of the people that I put on my list so that I can move forward. And now in this paragraph it's telling me again, refer back to this list. Because um, in the process of when I did my four-step inventory, I kept wanting to go back to that column one where I had listed um, the people and the institutions and principles that I had resented. And so the the authors of the big book, um, people who had gone before me in this process, knew that um, because that's where most of my focus was. That's as far as I could ever get, just nursing that resentment. But I needed to put out of my mind the wrongs others had done. And how could I do that so I could move forward and see what my own faults were so I could list them? Well, I needed to take a, a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one of them. And then I, then I could move forward and say, where had I been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? And I have to be honest with you, I still had difficulty seeing that. I had buried um, my part of it under so much self-justification that I didn't see it. Also, pride and fear um, were, were two obstacles um, that were wanting to keep me from looking at myself. Um, too much pride, no, that, you know, it can't be about me, it's about this other person. And fear, I'm afraid what I'm going to really find out. And um, I don't want to look, I'm afraid. Um, but I knew that the promise of um, relieving this mental obsession and having a sober, abstinent life so that I could give service to others was a promise to me from the person that was my sponsor who had been recovered for many years, and that's what kept me going, that promise. 
and there was that sense of relief that came that if I, if I just, you know, if I start looking at myself and seeing where my faults are, that's, that's the key. That's what they said. Um, it held the key to my future, and I need to look at this from a different angle. There's a promise to me. It held a future, a better future than what, the way I'd been living with um, retaliation and argument, always proving that I had to be right. And, um, I, you know, I was willing to move forward. It took more of uh, this process of really seeing how I was dishonest. It was like a light bulb when, oh, my gosh, people-pleasing is a form of dishonesty. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have seen that had I not continued um, to be willing and asking for God's guidance for it to be revealed to me. How am I manifesting these character defects? What does that look like? in me, my personality, how how am I hurting others in ways that I, I couldn't have ever seen before until I started this process of wanting to see how I had injured others. That was an idea that my mind um, wanted to keep pushing down, and I pushed it down with the food, but now I'm out of the food fog. You know, I've, I've asked God um, in the third step prayer, you know, I'm willing, you know, I, I want to look at this. I, I want to live a better life. Uh, with your guidance, I, you know, I'm going to take this action step because this it holds the key to my future. And I kept, I kept going. Um, yeah, fear would pop up, um, pride would pop up, but I'd ask God for guidance. And I kept going with the help of a sponsor and with the help of the fellowship. I was able to see um, how my character, my personality, what was my pattern, what did it look like? Because, you know, the big book, um, I mean, I'm sorry, the AA 12 and 12 tells me that the fourth step, this is the beginning of a lifetime practice. This is just the beginning. I'm, You know, with practice, I'm going to get better at seeing these things more quickly as they pop up. But in the beginning, they were very much buried, I have to admit. And so grateful am I um, for this program and for God's guidance and love for me um, it kept me moving forward, working with a sponsor, till these were revealed to me so that I could see the picture, see this picture, and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. That's why I feared looking at it. It wasn't a pretty picture, but there was hope. I needed to see the person, that how I was behaving, um, and only then, with that awareness, um, could I give that to my higher power with the hope of being transformed by only God, not me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. This is Victoria, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I'd like to comment on this paragraph. This paragraph brings to mind what the book tells us so much earlier, which is the purpose of this book is to tell us precisely how we have recovered. We discuss the directions that were given in this meeting. That is our focus. And this paragraph is filled with sentence after sentence of precise direction. And each one of them ran counter directly in opposition to how my mind had been grooved and my conscience had been extinguished um, and how self-centeredness had really taken over my life. Specific directions like this were essential to me 
because my sense of entitlement, I felt so entitled to be defiant because I had a righteous cause and the righteousness all rested on my side. This was a big part of my mental disease. I could not see myself. I like to think of this paragraph as the origin of my side of the street because it lays out what it means to live on my side of the street so clearly. I needed to rely on the direction of my sponsor, the reminder once again that I am to put out of my mind the wrongs others have done. She even conjured up the image of turning away from those wrongs so that all I had on my plate was myself. Myself, other than my self-centeredness and what I wanted, was the last thing I ever had on my plate when I was looking for who was responsible. It was never me. And the wrongs did not belong to me. So this paragraph, thankfully, gave me such specific directions of how I would continue to recover. This is where the rubber met the road because this is where the spiritual solution and my way of living emerged as being like night and day. And my willingness then, it was my willingness that became critical. Was I willing to put aside, to put out of my mind the wrongs others had done me so that I could see myself? Because if I couldn't do that, I could not work this step. My, the, my obsession with other people and how they had harmed me made it absolutely impossible to see myself. And if I could not see myself, I could not work this step. I could not reckon with those defects of character, some of which were so primal that they came to organize my entire personality. So I'll pass. Would someone else like to comment on what was read? Good morning. It's Rick. Rick, good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Vision, for you all. My name is Rick. I'm a compulsive overeater. As was said earlier, so many instructions. This paragraph has has all the instructions for writing that resentment list. And many people get stuck here because they get afraid when they start looking at this stuff. But let's look at the last sentence. Let's look at why we're doing this. We admitted our wrongs honestly, and we were willing to set these matters straight. All it says is that after we do this, we're going to be willing. It doesn't tell us how we have to do it. It's not giving us instructions on making those amends. It's not telling us who we owe amends to or who we don't. It's only asking us to have willingness And if that's all we have to do when we're making this inventory, there's no reason not to do it. We don't have to do anything yet. 
We're writing it out in order to find the willingness. Not, um, we're not yet deciding how we're going to go about it. We're not deciding if we need to make amends. We're just becoming willing, and that's the first step before we can go through with the rest of it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rick. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Sharon, would you please read a vision for you? Good morning. This is Sharon, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.